Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, just a couple quick things before I introduce our illustrious college pastor, Ben Moss. And, uh, but first, uh, just next week, there's going to be a baptism class. If you've not been baptized in water, you're a follower of Jesus, you put your faith in Him, then you need to be baptized in water, okay? And so we're going to be doing, Kim and I will be doing a little class next week following the second service. And if you're interested in that, please go to contact at Christ Fellowship. And you can sign up that way. There may even be another kind of sign up online, but for sure the email will get you there. That's next week. And then two, two weeks, we're going to be doing baptisms. We'll have our fancy baptistry right here that comes in. It's not that fancy if you're visiting. It's just, it's, but what we do our baptisms right here. That's going to be Easter Sunday. And hey guys, it's just, I want to encourage you. If you've got friends that are interested in finding out about Jesus or about church life, Easter is going to be a great time to bring people. We're going to be starting a new series on the gospel just about Jesus. We're going to be preaching Jesus Christ right here. And so I want to encourage you about that. Easter's two, just two weeks. And it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wonderful. And people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And I think Ben's going to share about even encouraging us in that this morning. So y'all give it up for Ben Moss. All right. Well, so excited to be with everyone this morning. Uh, just came back from the one and only Edinburgh, Texas. Uh, got some college students over here that went. We had a great time. Uh, we were uh, hanging out with about 500 other college students, and God moved in a powerful, powerful way. Uh, and I want to start off this morning uh, just by having a couple people share a couple testimonies. You guys all right with that? Okay, all right. So first one, Aiden Yamada. Come on up, bro. Hi, guys. My name's Aiden. We would go on these outreaches every day after um, we'd do these like morning sessions, worship and stuff. So we'd go on these outreaches for a few hours. I um, mean, so Ben's actually on outreach, and the school, he's just kind of in the streets of Edinburgh, and the school bus kind of rolls up next to him, dropping the kids off from school, and uh, out walks this kid named Guillermo, um, and Ben starts talking to him about um, his life, introducing himself, and eventually they start talking about who Jesus is. Um, and Ben's talking to Guillermo about Jesus, and uh, he feels like God really just puts it on his heart heavy that um, he has some troubles with his dad. Um, he has a bad relationship with his father, so he asks him about it, and he says, yeah, I can't remember the last time my dad told me he loved me. Um, so anyways, they keep talking for about an hour. This kid has like so many questions about um, who Jesus Christ is, and like has a lot of you know intellectual questions. He's a very heady high schooler. Um, but anyways, that conversation ends. Ben asks him uh, to come to the local church later because um, we're partnering with the local church and they're having a little church service at night. Um, so yeah, fast forward there. I'm at the local church and I see him and I just really feel like God wanted me to talk uh, to him about the Lord. So I started talking to him about who Jesus was and man, we started having like this like apologetic conversation up there. Like we're, I mean, we're talking about like relativism and moral law. Like, oh my gosh, it's over. Like send him home. He's not finding Jesus today. We'll, we'll get there another time. Um, but, <laughs> but I really just felt like I was just like praying, praying to God while I was talking to him. And I really felt like heavy, like God was saying, this is my son. I said, God, if this is your son, I'm not going to stop. Like you're going to soften his heart. Like he's going to accept Jesus. If this is your son, I'm going to be here. Um, so we talked for about an hour. Um, about who Jesus was and like why he is the way, he is the truth and the light. Um, and this guy, just the Holy Spirit softened his heart, and he was just at the end of the conversation ready to li- give his life to Jesus. Um, so, man, I was just like, I was just like overwhelmed at the power of the Holy Spirit and how he like softens hearts. But I was just like asking God, like, God, why is your love so relentless? Like, why did you say this is your son? Like, why were you pursuing him relentlessly? And I just felt like God told me, like, 
It's because you're worth it, Aiden. It's because he's worth it. So I just want to encourage y'all, like every single one of you, you guys are worth it. But not only that, the people you evangelize to, the people you talk to, they're worth it. They're worth your time. They're worth your effort. They're worth the long hour conversations about apologetics. So uh, that's what I got. Wow. It's a powerhouse man of God. He's going to change the world. All right. You guys want one more? All right. Chandler, come on up, bro. Hello, uh, I'm Chandler, freshman at TCU. Um, <laughs> uh, so this week, I came into the week, I was a little hesitant on going to Awaken. I had another option of going to Mexico with my family on vacation. And so once I got there, I was just really overwhelmed with how many people really loved Jesus. I was like, wow, there are 500 students here that are all passionately pursuing Jesus, and I've just not seen this many be people before. Um, really have a heart for that. And because I just kind of felt like I was the only one and I just felt like I was supposed to be like an individual in this. And so going to Awaken, when I was praying beforehand, I was just like, okay, so God, do you want me to go on this vacation or do you want me to go on Awaken? And what I felt like he said was, I have, for, I, I have something for you at Awaken that you aren't going to find um, in Mexico. So I was like, okay, I'll go. And so I went, but then I was just, just felt heavy in my heart, just like, I don't know if I can, like, love these people well, because I just feel like I'm supposed to be the only one, like, really pursuing this thing, which was just a weird thought, but it just was what I was thinking. And so I was like, God, like, why did you bring me here? Like, what was I going to find here that I wasn't going to find on my family vacation? And I just felt like he said, you're going to find family here. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> um, <laughs> wasn't expecting that one. Uh, and so I just went throughout the week and just really developed this love for this community and for this family that he's putting me in. And uh, by the end of the week, I got to be baptized at the Motel 6 pool. Um, <laughs> it was so good. Um, but I just remember um, resting in my bed right after that. And I just felt like the Lord said, you found it. You found what I had for you here. And it was just this celebration, this community that was coming together, that um, was crying together, laughing together, telling stories together, and just the importance of family and community. And now it's just like, that's just what I want for other people now. I just think of my family and it's like, I want them to be involved. Like, get involved with the church because this is so important. Um, and this is just where, I don't know, God's heart just really is in the local church. And I'm just finding that out. And just amazing. Bless you guys. Thank you for letting me talk. <laughs> Man, I, I think they can just talk. I'm just going to let them have the message. Wow. Uh, you know, just one other little celebratory thing. Uh, there were actually four people who were either baptized or rebaptized. If, if that was one of you and you were on the trip, will you stand up for me so we can give you guys a hand? Woo! Yeah. Come on. Come on. Love it. Love you guys. Man, uh, I love what I get to do. Woo! Uh, man. Uh, these college students, they push me so much closer to Jesus and just so thankful for everything God uh, did this week. Let me pray for us as we jump in. God, thank you uh, that you are uh, one who restores, that you are one who makes all things new, God. And I pray this morning that you would help us to see you clearly exactly who you are. 
And Jesus, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that you would have your way, that you would speak. In your name we pray, amen. All right, well, we've been in a great series uh, called Realign. Uh, tonight, uh, this morning, we're going to be wrapping it up a little bit, talking about overcoming your past. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be reading from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Beginning in verse 18, Isaiah 43 says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Going to break this down a little bit for us. That first part, uh, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, I'm doing a new thing. This is in reference to Isaiah 41, 22, which says, tell us you idols what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were. And what's going on here is God is speaking to the Israelites and he's telling them, he's saying, don't remember the things of your past, the false prophecies, the false predictions, the false idols that you want, that you once pursued. Because I'm a God who does new things. And I'm going to do a new thing. And I just want to encourage us this morning. I know uh, in a room this size with so many of us, there's a lot of different needs that we have. The character of the God that we serve is that he makes all things new. Second part of this verse, now it springs up, streams in the wasteland. This reference to water is directly connected to 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, which says, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water, for you will neither see uh, wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water to provide water to the people of Israel. And the context of this and what's going on is the king of Moab has said that he's going to oppress the Israelites, that he's going to conquer them, and God steps in and he says, I'm going to provide a way out. And the reason, that the symbol that I'll show you that I'm going to provide a way out is that it's not going to rain, but I'm going to provide water so that your cattle, the animal, what you need will be provided. It's on God's heart. It's been that way forever that God would provide a way out for us, that there would be a place that we can find restoration. The last part of this verse, I'm making a way in the wilderness. This is connected to Isaiah 43, which says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Scholars suggest that this relates to the ancient Eastern custom of sending representatives going ahead to prepare the way of a visiting monarch. Sound familiar? It's a metaphor to describe the processional that would someday take place in Jerusalem. When in Matthew 21, the, ca- the crowds gather going before King Jesus proclaiming, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You know, I know this morning that there's hope for all of us. There's hope for us because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. Comes and lives a perfect life, a life without sin, and he dies on a cross, taking all of our sin and shame on himself. Three days later, he raises back to life, defeating sin and death once and for all. And he says, if you confess with your mouth 
that I'm Lord and you believe that in your heart, then you will be saved. There's hope for all of us this morning because God has brought a restorer and his name is Jesus. All right, so I want to give you just a couple practicals for what it looks like to overcome our past or struggles that we have. The first one is this. Overcoming our past begins by knowing that we can overcome our past. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, And this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So Paul's addressing the believers and he's saying, that's what you were. But because Jesus came and he, he caused the curtain between us and God to be torn in two, we now can step in. We can be washed. We can be justified. We can be sanctified because of Jesus. You know, I love different Bible characters who have gone through a journey that maybe they weren't walking in the destiny that God had for them, but because of God's character, he stepped in and he restored them. I want to give you the, just a couple examples. Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses encounters God at the burning bush where God gives him a new calling to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and into the land that God had promised Abraham. How about this one? Whittled alone and nowhere to go, Ruth is given a better-than-imagined life, marries the richest man in the country, and ends up in the bloodline of Christ. A dead-end job of tending to sheep, David is anointed to be the next king of Israel. Persecuting early believers and claiming Christianity was a dead religion, Paul is transformed and goes on to write around two-thirds of the New Testament. It's powerful. The same God that was doing this 2,000 years ago is doing it today. The places in our past that we maybe feel like we can never get breakthrough for, God is a restorer. It's his character, and it's what he loves to do. Second practical, overcoming our past requires us to understand what the past is and what it is not. What the past is and what it is not. The past is the past. It's not your reality. Some of us, including ourselves, we make the past our reality. It's like saying, you know, it's always been that way, so because it's always been that way, it's just going to be that way forever. Similar to attributing reality to something that's not actually real. Can I submit to you today that your history is not your destiny? We should learn from our past but not be bound by it. We're made for so much more. So I was thinking about this message a little bit. What kept coming to my mind was all the different lies that the world and the enemy throw at us about how we can find victory, about how we can find freedom and restoration. So I thought I'd do a little research, and I looked up uh, some self-improvement book titles. And I'm going to share with uh, a couple of them with you. They're, they're pretty funny. Uh, 
But if you don't know, the self-improvement industry takes in $10 billion per year in the United States. And it's going up by 6% every single year. So here we go. Here's some of the, the winners in my book for uh, best self-improvement titles. Perfectly perfect in every way. Blink. The power of thinking without thinking. I don't know what that means. Emotional intelligence 2.0. Makes me wonder what the 1.0 was and what the 3.0 is going to be. 10 steps to overcoming any of life's obstacles. Follow your heart. 21 days to a happier, more fulfilling life. This is where they get good. (laughs) Adulting. How to become a grown-up in 468 easy-ish steps. College students, we might need that one. All right? I love that they're not easy steps. They're easy-ish steps. The every-other-day diet. The diet that lets you... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even get to finish. All right. The every other day diet, the diet that lets you eat all you want just half the time and keep the weight off. (laughs) And the winner is how to find your spouse in 24 hours. Wow. Wow, wow. You know, all of these book titles, I, I think they're, they're telling us one thing that the world and the enemy would love for us to believe, and it's that we can find the answer in ourselves. That some way we can work up enough or we can work hard enough and we'll find the answer. And I wish I could take every single one of these book titles and write five letters over them. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one and he's the only one that will bring us the healing and the restoration that we need. Our past and our struggles are not overcome in a program. They're overcome in a person. Many of you may not know that for about five years I had a struggle with pornography. And it was something that I felt like I was just caught in this trap and I I couldn't get out. And it was this cycle over and over and over again. And I remember one day coming home and the best way I can describe it is that there was just this holy anger that rose up inside of me. And I just thought, you know, I I just want to be done with this so much. This is robbing me of so much life. And I remember just in that moment praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. And I just began to call out to Jesus. And I remember this incredible peace just coming over me and just this warm sensation inside of me. And I, I felt God's love in a way that I don't know that I had ever had before that moment. That evening, I got set free. For the last 10 years, I've been completely free for, from pornography. We need an encounter with the living God. 
We need an encounter with Jesus to shape us and transform us and mold us so that we can walk in the freedom that he has for all of us. Last practical. Overcoming our past requires us to face our fears. I was thinking of some different fears that I personally faced and maybe some of you are are facing today wanted to share a couple of them with you for example if I let it go whatever it is things are just going to get worse Hmm. how about this one it's always been that way and I'm just more comfortable staying with where I'm at I'm too young and I don't know how Because I don't know how, because I don't know what to turn to, the resources to get, I'm just going to leave it. And lastly, it's just too hard. If you really knew the reality of what was going on, if you really understood how hard this particular struggle was, then you would feel the same way. It's just too hard to walk the journey that I think I I need to go on to, to find healing. And what happens, guys, is as these fears come, we start to kind of latch onto them and, and we start to believe these lies. And because of that, they become false identities that we take on ourselves. And the result of those false identities is one of two things. We start to say either God's no good or I'm no good. God's no good or I'm no good. And when I was in that struggle with pornography, I remember picking up a book called Victory Over Darkness by Neil T. Anderson. If you are struggling, I encourage you, that is a great resource for you to go to and to utilize. I read it four times. And in that book, there's a list of identity of who we are in Christ, and every single phrase is attached to a Bible verse. And I would wake up in the morning for two straight years And I would take this list and I would just act like I was telling a story of who I really was. Because I needed to proclaim my destiny. I needed to proclaim who I was so that I could start walking out in it. And I would tell this story and the story would go something like this. I'm God's child and I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified and united with the Lord. I'm one spirit with him and I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a saint and I have access to God through the Holy Spirit and I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I'm complete in Christ and I'm free from condemnation and I'm assured that all things work together for good. I've been established, anointed and sealed and I'm hidden with Christ in God. I've not been given a spirit of fear but of power, of love and of a sound mind. I've been born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. I am God's temple and I'm a minister of reconciliation. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I may approach God with freedom and confidence, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm, Still gets me excited. Gets me excited because the enemy is looking for ways to destroy us. And when we speak the identity and the truth of who we are, it breaks those lies in two. We need it more and more every day. I still, I need to renew my mind with my identity in Christ and who I am and whose I am. Love what Joyce Meyer said. She said, overcoming your past is not like an escalator ride that's automatic. You might need to take it step by step. And I just want to say to you this morning, if you are caught in addiction or there's a struggle that you have, whether it's recently or recently, 
or in the past, we as a community here at Christ Fellowship, we are so committed to you. And we're so committed to you finding the healing and the restoration that you need. Love one of our ministries. It's called Listening Prayer. Laura Albright leads out in it. She does an incredible job. And the whole idea of listening prayer is to expose the lies in our lives that we're believing and receive the truth of what God says about us. All right, last thing. Facing these fears, I think it requires us to have an inward resolve. An inward resolve. In the darkest moments of World War II, Winston Churchill delivered a State of the Union address that many people never forgot. He stood up and with the whole world watching, he said five words. Never, ever, ever give up. Never, ever, ever give up. And I think Paul is a great example of someone who modeled what it meant to not give up, to have an inward resolve. Paul said in Philippians three twelve through 14, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I think Paul understood what it meant to have an internal resolve so that he could see an external breakthrough. He was willing to undergo some pressing and some refining. And as I was thinking about this and how Jesus presses us and he refines us, I I thought about a diamond. If you don't know, diamonds are formed about 100 miles below the earth's surface where the pressure exceeds 700,000 PSI, pounds per square inch and temperatures over 2,100 degrees. One needs the perfect conditions of high pressure and temperature beneath the Earth's crust for carbon to form into diamond. Slightly less pressure or temperature, and one ends up with graphite, a soft black material instead of the extremely hard, durable crystal we know as diamond. Love that analogy because I think for some of us there's Places in our life where God's saying, will you submit to me? Will you press into me? Will you lean into me? I think there's moments where we all just need to press pause and say, you know, Jesus, you're the one thing that I desire. You're the only thing that I need and I'm going to wait upon you and I'm not going to get anxious or get frustrated or turn away from you. Instead, I'm going to press into you and receive what you have for me. What environment might you need to be in to find some healing? I love that at Christ Fellowship, we are a local church community that values life groups. And I love to say that life groups aren't just weekly meetings or Bible studies, but they're places we do life together where we can come in and be open and vulnerable and we can have the body of Christ rally around us so that we can find healing and find the help that we need. Maybe you just need to set aside something so that you can create space to meet with Jesus. When I was struggling myself, I remember that I had to stop, I I had to start monitoring what I was watching on TV. 
because certain things that I would look at would bring up old thought patterns. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted to walk in freedom. A diamond is the hardest known mineral to man. And it's so hard that it can only be scratched by another diamond. I believe, guys, that when we press in to the person of Jesus, we will find the healing and restoration that we need. And the truth that it says in the scripture that no weapon formed against us shall stand doesn't just become a promise, but it becomes our reality. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up. If you'll please be standing with me. Ministry team too. And as I was uh, just praying for our time here, felt like God was highlighting that there's two types of people in the room. Some of you, you have a specific addiction or you have a specific struggle that maybe it's recently or it's for some long period in your past. Believe that this morning God wants to put courage inside of you. He wants to put hope inside of you. It may even be that this morning is your moment where the Holy Spirit comes and He fills you and He gives you the breakthrough that you need. Others of you, maybe you don't have a specific struggle, but you just want to re-up your commitment again to Jesus. You just want to say, Jesus, you and you alone are what I desire. You and you alone, encountering you and what you have for me. I don't desire anything else but you. Whatever your needs are, I encourage you to come forward and get prayer. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, invite you to come forward. Lord Jesus, thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life, that you have come to bring restoration. You've come to bring healing. And I pray, Spirit of God, would you lead us this morning? Would you minister to our hearts, God? We want to submit to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Come forward, whatever your needs are.